Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. So ready to shit on Arteta. So yeah, I know. Ready. I'm so ready to shit on you, mate, because we know <laughs> what agenda you're going to try and further with this, mate. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slap, slap, slap. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Aaron Christopher Ramsdale Podcast. A light-hearted look at Aaron Ramsdale with Aaron Ramsdale and my very good friend, Raron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale. Ah, but Aaron Ramsdale. Ah, Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale, Aaron Ramsdale. Hmm. Aaron Christopher Ramsdale. Ooh. Aaron Christopher Ramsdale. Ramsdale, Aaron. Ramsdale, Aaron. Welcome back to the Different Not Podcast. Um, hi Brad. Hello mate. That was a good fucking performance, wasn't it? Yeah? Actually, was it? It was a good result. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, welcome back to the Different Up Podcast. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for clicking on us. Thanks for subscribing if you have. If you haven't, please do. Turn on please notifications. Do. do all that lovely stuff. We appreciate it very much. Arsenal beat Leicester 2-0 at the King Power Stadium with a... Should we call it imperious? I don't even know what that means. Should I look it up? I think I know what it means. Gladiator-like? Define imperious. If we're talking about what I think we're talking about. Arrogant and domineering. It was certainly domineering. It was confident. I'm probably a little bit arrogant. Mate, boardroom. But that, here's the thing. And I've said this to you a couple of times. I don't mind arrogance if you're elite at what you do. Do you know what I mean? If you're if you very, up, very yeah. good, then be be arrogant. Like, and that's fine. We'll lap it up. If you're burned Leno being arrogant after he's like fucking tipped the ball into the his own net against Everton, then it's a bit different. I, I think or it, like, for example, I see that Watford fans are, are having a bit of a tough time with, you know, Ben Foster's vlogs um, because obviously things aren't going well for them. <laughs> Sorry, the way um, you said that's so funny. Just imagine Watford fans going home to their wives going, do you know what, I'm having a really hard time at the moment. What is it, love? What is it? Is it? Is it work? Is it the kids? It's Ben Foster's vlogs. It's just, uh, I can't deal with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, mate, the, the bow uh, to Leicester fans at the end of the game was just a thing of beauty. The your shit ah, moment where he turns around and yeah. joins him. Mate, yeah. I, I mean, look, it's fit for purpose in what this is. I mean, I wouldn't want to like hang out with someone who's really arrogant, but if you're in a football match and you're and you're claiming crosses, you're extremely confident, you're on the and you're and you're performing, as you say, then nothing wrong with it at all. Um but nothing yeah. Wrong with it at let's all. call it imperious then, an imperious performance from Aaron Ramsdale. 
Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, sort of the more specifics of, of, of uh, how you played. Um, I'll do my word of the game first, Brad, because you said you've got, you've got a... All right, while you do this, I'm just going to change a tyre because it's very hot in here. You're going to change a tyre? Oh, right, as in you're going to change a tyre like clothes, not... You're not going to go out to your car. No. Right, I'm with you. I don't own a car, Alex. Okay. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yes, my word of the game is process. Oh. There he is. He's in the best. Lovely. Uh, my word of the game, Bradley, is process. This game is um, similar to the Spurs game in a way, maybe the Villa game. Are the types of games we'll look back on and viewers markers of the process i think with results like this and and with and to an extent with performances like this what it does is it gives you that little bit of a buffer it extends the patience it extends the time uh that we give we give the process and basically i think if you were going to give arsenal fans one question at the moment in terms of the football team that could sort of there's basically going to define what we how we approach being a fan it's how long do you give this project how long are you willing to let this thing go on until you until you like where's your cutoff point some people it's going to yeah, and, and that's going to change with results and a result like this yeah. is going to extend extends that extends that cutoff point extend that cutoff point probably in a sense of percentage wise rather than like for example if my cutoff point is december and your cutoff point is the end of the season Yours might be become next to December, and mine might become the end of this season. Right, kind of. And what yeah. and what other factors go into that that window? What 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 defines that window for us? And I think there's a few things. It's it's the character and the likability as well of this team that is going Absolutely. to extend that window. When we signed all these young players, I think the the problem is 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 character and you know the dressing room and all these sorts of things we actually don't get to interface much with as fans so we see stats we see what happens on the pitch we see what's going on on a, on a match day most of the time and most fans just basically the most important thing the headline is the result but in terms of what gets you into football like what why do you care about this team why are you emotionally invested in this team ultimately i got emotionally invested because of watching how Thierry Henry celebrated a goal because of watching yeah. how Arsene Wenger was passionate about his stuff. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's an emotional tie-in. And when you see someone mm. like Aaron Ramsdale performing in the way he did, when you see Gabriel like a lion at the end of that game, it extends that deadline. It extends because you see a group of people who who care. And you watch um like the the, the Spurs Man United game. The Spurs fan, and I don't I don't want to have the conversation about Spurs. This is not what that podcast for. Fuck them. But you you look at like they're booing off, they're booing substitutions, they're booing their captain and like they're probably their all-time goal scorer by this point. Like the the toxicity is real. But the and by comparison, the connection that we have is only going to help this process and is only going to move it along. And that's mm-hmm. what I felt yesterday, the connection between the fans and and the the team on the pitch. And this gives us that breathing space. And when you have it that It buys you faith. It buys you faith. And when you have that breathing space and when you have that time, you can not necessarily try things, but you can be on the front foot. You can lose a couple of games in and learn about yourselves to better yourself long term. When you're just moving from game to game to game, hoping to get a win, you're never going to be able to put in implement a process, implement a playing style because you're you're in panic mode. You're in fight or, you're in fight or flight mode, and we all know from cramming the night before an exam, you can't learn anything in fight or flight mode. You have to be secure, and this gives us that security. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it will be relative to how much faith you kind of put into this regime or this process as of kind of three games ago. So for example, I'm still not fully back on board. There's still a lot of things that worry me. Uh, and that's fair. You know, that's so fair. Looking at the statistics at the end of the game, something like 31.7, I think it was, percent possession, 16 shots they had to our six or nine. They had an XG of pretty much two while we had an XG of one. You know, there are stats at the end of the game that that really um, don't make for good reading. And also one thing to kind of talk about as well is, you know, it, what seems to be at least in part the setup by Arteta is to win games early, get out there, win games early and shut up shop. It's what we've done in the last couple of games. But it's not a good enough system when it takes an absolutely world-beating performance from your keeper to stop us from losing or drawing that game. Because, you know, the, the Madison free kick should be a goal. Like, it's an unbelievably struck free kick one of the best saves I've ever seen. Um, you know, the Harvey Barnes chance where Erdegaard loses the ball, I think, on the edge of the area. That, again, could have easily been a goal. By, if 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 that's Sadio Mane or, like, somebody even a step below that, but above Barnes right now, that's a goal. Or, and it, you know, uh, that's the one thing that worries me in the current system, that we are still, still giving up high-volume opportunities whilst also not creating a lot of high-volume opportunities ourselves. And look, that's obviously caveated by probably what would have been our highest-volume opportunity is that Abamyang chance where he's brought down by Evans. He's through on goal. It's a one-on-one. That's going to be the clearest-cut opportunity we get throughout the game and it's taken away from us and the player should be sent off. But the fact that that's one moment, for me, we're still not creating enough big, big opportunities. And I was listening um, this morning before we did this to um, the Sunday Vibes episode from Football Daily. They do great stuff on there. And uh, Pat, the, the, the Arsenal fan on there, made a good point about us, is that we do nothing particularly excellent in that... I don't think there's a marker of this Arsenal team that we could go or that other coaches would go, oh my God, I need to stop Arsenal doing this because otherwise we're fucked. We're not a phenomenal pressing team. We're not a phenomenal transition team. We're not, we don't play um, like well-crafted attacking football most of the time. We, we, we're, we're all right, but at the moment we're not at that level where we're not doing anything so excellent that it, it is that idea that you brought up that teams often sometimes need a USP, something that they are brilliant at, that then they can build the whole philosophy around. I still think we're missing that. I still think that there, like, there is not one marker to this team that we could put to and go, um, we, we're massively pressing or we're massively trying to hit people on the transition. It seems to be that we're trying to do a bit of everything. We're trying to mix and match and... The issue is, is when you aren't excellent at one of those things and say you're not, a, we are a good defensive team. Like we have a good defense, but that is in part been saved a lot by our goalkeeper today. Um, and my, to kind of move on to my word of the day, it's a test and new tests. I think that I saw a tweet. Two words. Um, well, yeah, 
But that's why I said test first. Um, I saw a tweet uh, last night after the game saying, like, oh, they said Spurs was a test. And oh, they said Villa was a test. And now they're saying Leicester is a test. And I think, yeah, all three games are tests. You know, how could we handle the heat of, a, of our closest derby? even uh, especially after coming back and having a, an unbelievably poor start to the season. And then it was, okay, how can we come up against the team with very good individual talent? And okay, maybe not currently the manager that could get the most out of them, but a good squad. And this again is a, is a step up. We're coming up against a very good squad with probably one of the top five managers in the league. And how can we manage that test? Now, listen, the most important thing is the result. Could we have played better? Absolutely. But if we get top four at the end of the season because of this three points, do you think I'm going to care that we played poorly or not particularly well? I think there's a lot to discuss around it, but I think one thing that I have to try and do as somebody who is so used to the wheels falling off is stop looking for the for the squeaky wheel and enjoying these moments. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a level of enjoyment to it. I think also, mate, on the on your point before, I think you're right. I think we we uh, or the <laughs> the guy from Football Daily Daily is right. We don't we don't have a USP yet, but I think that is all part of growth. Growth. I do think it is. I I do think it's part of growth because ultimately, you know, we if if you look at if you look at how we're playing at the moment, we are inconsistent. We are we're finding an ident- identity on and off the pitch. We're we're a team that's not um, not level in its performance across across games, and, and and no team is. But you know, you know, as well as the inconsistency between games, we're inconsistent in game, and that will come. Like you know, you you know, teams dominating a performance for ninety minutes really rarely happens unless you're a top 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 team, and even they don't do it every week. So we're finding something, and you're right. There's you know. In the early days of Liverpool, it was the Gagan press. It was that was their USP. You know, with Leicester, they attack mm. those spaces. That's their USP. They they're really good at on the transition, right? We yeah, I, I agree. We need to find that, but I do think that's a symptom of a of a growth. And what I'd say is, individually, the talent ID at this club has gone through the roof. Looking at the the team oh, yesterday, God, comparatively to what it was, to what it was, Jesus. mate, it's unbelievable. Ramsdale, you know. We were talking yesterday. Who's saying he's not in the top 15 goalkeepers in the world? Maybe even top 12. Like, who, who's saying that now? And he's 23. The- yeah, and you just got to... If you look at the... And, and it's not even that. Like, that sounds like a like a like like quite a braggadocio statement. Like, it's the names that he's around. Even if he isn't in the top 15 and he's just outside it, look at the people that are beating him. They're all 28, yeah, they're 29, 30 black in the peak and pomp of their career, performing with people in front of them who are a lot better than we currently have. Oblak has a defense of Jose Jimenez, Mario Hermoso, people who've been playing together for a long time in front of him who are at a much better level than we are currently. Yeah. You know, it's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And, you know, we look around our team and we go, we go like, right, we've got, we, who, who have we bought in? Gabrielle fantastic fantastic defender and center back um parte is 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 looking more and more consistent every week if we're looking you know smithrow and saka i appreciate they come through our academy but that you know we put them in the team and they are talented we're assembling a team of really really talented individuals and we're starting mm-hmm. to weave it together and the weaving together will be the process the weaving together will be the coming together as a team and arteta says he says in his post match and his, and his pre-match yeah i think even there's so much we haven't 
achieved yet. We're not where we want to be. There's so much we need to work on. Um, but the basics and the fundamentals of the game have come together. That's what you said. And I, and I see that. I think um, we, we we had our one of our usual sort of bi-weekly discussions about Ben White and William Saliba on WhatsApp yesterday. And one of the things I said, and I, and I stand by it, is Arteta has, is assembling and has assembled thus far in terms of who's bought in a team of very, very technical players. The technical level has gone up massively. Players like Kolasinac and El Nenny and Rob Holding, they have strengths, but they're not good footballers. Like you wouldn't put them up against like a Santi Cazorla in terms of like the technical level or whatever, like those those types of players in terms of how good they are. I mean, I don't think I'd put really anyone with Santi no, but Cazorla. You know, the it, man was the most ambipedal player I've ever seen in my life. But if we're taking Cazorla as like the, the hallmark the of... benchmark a, of excellence. Yeah, the hallmark of like technical quality. Mm-hmm. We're moving towards a team where people are all over the pitch. We have quality on the ball. We have Tommy Asu, mm-hmm. two-footed. Even like Nuno Tavares, that was probably the one question in the summer about his sort of technical level. Well, he looks really good, you know, and I was a bit worried about his first touch, a bit worried, you know, I've said before, he, he runs a bit strange, but, I, you know, his technical level looks decent. But all around the pitch, Ben White, properly good on the ball. Sambi, properly mm-hmm. good on the ball. And Smith Rowe, properly, like these, and Ramsdale, fucking hell, see some of those passes yesterday. We've raised the technical level and I think to come back to the point, that team element, the USP, that will come, I think will 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 come in time. And the question is, will Arteta be the guy to um make that all together, like to sort of like make the make the quilt out of all the 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 pieces of um felt or whatever, whatever the phrase would be? What's it was it make make the tapestry? Like is he the guy to make the tapestry? Yeah. And maybe not. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But here's the thing, you've got to look at you can attribute some of Chelsea's success in the Champions League last season to Frank Lampard. Because if Frank Lampard doesn't take charge of that club, Mason Mount doesn't come through in the same way. Tammy Abraham doesn't come through in the same way. Reese James definitely doesn't come through in the same way because he gave them opportunities. And yes, it was caveated by a, a kind of, I mean, they did sign people. So, but in a, in a transfer ban, he's still brought players into that club that that won them the biggest cup competition in the world. So even if, and uh, this is, I think this is the thing that I'm starting to become more convinced of. I definitely think Mikel is the right person in the short term to help build this squad and get this squad ready. I don't know whether he has the ability to be the person in the long term to get these people challenging for leagues or doing well in the Champions League. Um, but right now, those kind of managers aren't available. Mm-hmm. Not to us, not in age. And the constant conversation I have with myself about Arteta, even though, uh, even at points where I'm like, he has to go, is who the fuck are we going to get in? Mm. Because, I mean, for me, I want Ten Hag. I mean, I'm absolutely twerking for Ten Hag over here. <laughs> But he's not going to leave mid-season. And unless we're at least back in the Europa League and we offer to throw a lot of money at his project, I don't know if he would join because he will have offers from Champions League clubs. So Mm. it becomes... We've put... Arsenal have put ourselves by being so shit in the last couple of years between a rock and a hard place where we might not have a manager who's of the required ability, but we also can't get the manager that we need that is of the required ability. 
So we might need to give this manager more time to get us to the level where we, we can then kind of pull in one of those managers. Or he becomes that guy. And it's a win-win situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into the game. So all... Let's do it. All I could hear, mate. Set piece FC. Set piece FC. Yeah, let's, well, let's start there. So Nikola Jova, I mean, I, I, I don't... That's very loud. Um, I don't have the stats on set pieces, but I remember, I mean, Chambers scored one of the Leeds game. Gabriel's just scored one. Party scored one in the, in the Aston Villa game. I think we've won a bit what, of a run. One in four? One in four? Uh, one, like one in, the, uh, one in the last four games oh, right. we scored from a set piece. Yeah. I mean, fair play to him. It's obviously right. working. I read a um, piece in the Football London about uh, Kaya, I think it's Kaya Kainak? Kainak? Um, he wrote a piece about... Um, Nikola Jova talking about how he focuses on the movements of the players in the box. And when you watch it with that framework, it's really interesting because if you watch the first goal, Gabriel makes, it's like an undefendable movement. And I'm sure there would be a, there's a much more complicated ways of looking at it. I'm sure there's a trigger and I'm sure there's a specific why you make that movement, whatever, but just watch Gabriel's movement on the first goal. It's really, if you get a good ball in, that is a very, very difficult, especially with his size and strength. It's a very difficult thing to defend. And, you know, we've said a couple of times on this podcast, we need to find other ways. It's part of this kind of like making the tapestry, which might become a a thing on this podcast. How do we make the tea? How do we make the tapestry? How do we, how do we make the quilt? Part of it and, and we're stitching it all together is, is having, is having different ways of scoring goals. And if, mm-hmm. if set pieces can become just another element of how we score goals, fuck it. I don't, I honestly, if we, if, if we came pen, penalty FC, what would we be called? Pen Arsenal or something. What would troll football call us? Pass, part, oh, whatever. Um, uh, I don't care. I really don't care. So yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's good. It's really fucking good. It's very good, mate. It's very, very good. Stating the obvious. Scoring goals, Brad. Mm. Good. He's good. Yeah. Just objectively good. Yeah, can't deny that. Um, at a great high pressing start, um, I think when Lacazette plays, um, I think I don't love Lacazette, and we say many times he's he's kind of limited, but he does keep that ball higher up the pitch than Erdegaard tends to. I think where I see a development in Erdegaard's game is I think he needs to develop physically a, a little bit. Um, I don't feel his strength like Lacazette just fucking shoves people off and just like bodies people he's dogged with it he's dogged like and I don't I don't feel that same thing from Erdegaard and he's got like a a slightly different approach but what Lacazette and Saka did in that in that sort of first period and the reason I think we were so dominant is we kept the ball we first we won the ball high but we kept the ball high and this just comes back to something I I wanted to say in the introduction uh, sorry what I was saying in the introduction when you have technical, when the technical level raises, and I realise we're talking about Lacazette here, but in general, when the technical level raises, you lose the ball less and therefore you can keep the ball in the zones that you want to keep it. It's really simple, mm-hmm. but it's it's true. Lacazette was having a decent game yesterday. If you have Saka, if you have Smith-Rowe, if you have Sam be able to recycle the ball, you can move that 10 yards further up the pitch. Arteta is constantly mm-hmm. saying to the team, get up the pitch, get up the pitch. Even in the period where we didn't have the ball, he was, if you watched him, because we, we could see him um, at the very top of our screen, he was just moving. He was just telling them to move forward. Um, and that, that, that was, for me, what really worked in that sort of opening sort of, I guess, 20 minutes was just the fact that we won the ball so high, high up the pitch, which if it can become a part of our our game Repertoire. more consistently, I think is a really is a really, really good thing. And we'll probably come with with the players that Arteta will want in that forward system. 
Uh, I don't think Lacazette's technical ability is his problem, though. I just think he can't run, and after about forty-five minutes, looks knackered. Yeah, he, he did look. He did look knackered. Um, yeah, first goal we've, we've discussed. Uh, I mean, I guess the question is also like, you know, what do Leicester do, and what do we need to do to stop them? And I thought for the most part we did it. You know, don't give them space on the counter. Do not in give the them... first half definitely. <clears throat> well, in this, but in the second half. In terms of their USP, we did stop it. We did. I think I thought all through the game, the one thing we did was was reduce the space in which they had to run into. I can't think of a time where mm, yeah, a Jamie that's, Vardy that's and a Madison no. had acres and acres of space in front of them. You remember that that game where Mustafi, yeah, Mustafi loses Vardy, loses Vardy. Yeah. Picture that on the like. Get that in your mind's Never eye. Happened. Didn't happen. And that's about distances, and that's about spaces, and that's about yeah. coaching. Something I also want to point out: the, our press when it was working, it's looking really good. Smith-Rowe, I think, pressures Evans. Tavares pushes up and presses um, Castagna on the outside and the ball recycles. We weren't allowing that. And then the same on the other side, Saka presses or whoever that left back at Luke, Luke, Luke Thomas and Tommy Asu comes forward and presses Barnes or whoever's on the left. We were making it really, really difficult to get, get through. Their lanes were blocked. They they just didn't have the spaces that they normally have. And I thought, I thought like we got pushed back but that didn't change. I like. I wish. I wish we could move forward and have control of the ball. But if we need to say, and as you said, defensively we are solid. If we need to be a defensive team, I love that compactness and I love that that sharpness and that ability to block the spaces because that's what that's what Leicester want. Yeah. Um, also, I noticed before the second goal, uh, Tavares lost the ball and apologised not to his teammates but to Arteta, which I thought was interesting. Um, because actually pre-game, I think Arteta said something about losing losing the ball, or like he just wants us to keep the ball or, or not not makes make, not give the ball away or so, something. It was something around that, and that's interesting when the public um, intention lines up with what you see on the pitch. I really like it. Like I think he, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was something about oh, you know, we don't we don't want to be losing the ball in dangerous areas or something like that. Tavares does it. You watch him apologize to Arteta. It was just quite like a nice like little triangulated moment. Um, second goal. Any thoughts? Um, I think it is another uh, string to the bow. Uh, it's after we lost Ramsey, uh, we didn't have a lot of threat from kind of midfield and people arriving late on the edge of the box uh, and 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 bits like that. And I think that's something that that ESR's added uh, now, adding goals and assists to his game. He's got. More goals and assists this season than Mount, Havertz and Ziyech combined. Like, it is that constant thing that we talk about, that the adding of different ways to score goals and the adding of strings to this this squad's bow just massively improves us as a team. Like, it's such a small thing, such a minute thing. But the knock-on effect of adding five of those things is is just unbetold. Or even if you just count two of those things, because we've only really added two, the set-piece goals and those kind of darting runs to the edge of the box or just inside, kind of close to the penalty spot um, for him. And it it, it is, again, just like creating so much opportunities and it's pulling people around. And now that Smith Rowe will be become almost... Not not known for that, but they'll know that he has that in his arsenal. Uh, he will be able to drag it? people away and open up 
space for other yeah, people. Yeah. Um, again, it's it's things like that. And look, I we definitely need a lights out attacker. We need somebody like it doesn't have to be the level of Mo Salah, but I I I say Mo Salah because automatically before a game, you know that Mo Salah is going to have two or three people on him, and that just creates more space. Yep. Smith Rowe is becoming a player that is going to require more attention, which will then, if he is playing on that left hand side, give Tierney or Tavares more room to roam and more opportunity to get the ball in. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, the, it's, the, it's weird to be so positive after what seemed like a slightly poor performance, especially in the second half. We gave up a lot of opportunities, but there's a lot to be positive about to see coming. And as soon as we do start to fix the way that we control games, we will be so much better. Yeah. And, you know, you've only got to look at the fact that we're already ahead of, um, I mean, I don't think we are now because obviously United won, but after our game, we were ahead of points um, of kind of Premier League title challenges. United, you're like, we're, we're, we are, we were in the top five, I think. We're yeah. doing a lot better. We're, we're doing a lot, a lot better. Equal fifth. Yeah, on your on your point about creating spaces, I think that's so true. I mean, like, weird thing to say. I had some issues with my hips a couple of years ago. I went to the physio and they did a lot of work on my lower legs and my upper back, which released my hip. And I think it's that sort of thing. When you have a lot of pressure on, say, a Bamiyang, not only by fixing other areas of the pitch does that provide you more stability, more comfort, it helps with the mobility of your hip, of your Bamiyang. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's probably mm. a reason why Bamiyang is in such good form. I appreciate it didn't score today. Or, you know, the 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 concerns that we had last year about scoring goals or where the goal was going to come from, it all rested on a Bamiyang. And that pressure is not good. So when you fix other areas, no. that pressure releases and then probably probably the, the mobility of the hip or the, the mobility of the, the Bamiyang, uh, to uh, consider the metaphor, probably helps. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like yeah. you release that area. And you also, it's similar to something we said recently on the podcast about, about Ben White. When you know... Ben White has the when you know Ben White has the uh, passing range that he does when you know he could play it through when you know Ramsdale has the passing range he does when you know he could get it long he could play it short whatever you just sit that two yards further off because you don't want to pressure them something I've noticed is and it's really interesting we don't I don't think we have a pressing trigger for other teams so I don't think other teams look at White Gabriel or Ramsdale and press when they have the ball. I haven't noticed it yet. I could be wrong, but I haven't noticed it. And that's an, a marker of on-ball quality because why would you press? Because they're immediately going to play it through you. And having mm. those players just creates that space somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It creates that space. And, and usually it's, you know, may, maybe someone will press them, but then they can play it around. So it's, 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 it's a really, it's another thing that I hope will keep developing and, and we'll add to our game. Yeah, and one thing I do want to note on on Ramsdale, there's a moment where he, I, I'm I'm hesitant to call it a mistake. Tries one of his long balls into that zone. He loves so well, and it's I think it's picked up by Madison. So does this lead and to then, the Dakar shot? Is it Dakar or Ianacho? Sorry, Ianacho, Ianacho. Yeah, Dakar didn't come on solo. No, so it leads to the Ianacho shot and the fingertip save that he makes. And the one thing that I want to point out about that moment is he looks unaffected. Mm. As in, he's made that mistake and then he pulls the save out of his ass because he's immediately let it go. He's focused on the moment. Someone like Leno, someone like Mustafi, someone like Kalazanach 
when they make those mistakes, they play with that on their shoulders for the rest of the match. Yeah. Ramsdale's then gone on to win us the game after making a mistake. His mentality is unbelievable for me, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking in a different context about overpays and what makes something an overpay. And we kind of settled on this idea that only time will ever tell whether something is an overpay. You can't call it an overpay in the moment because, for example, 75 million for Van Dyke at the time might have looked like an overpay, but now it looks cheap or at least it looks value for money because I think there is a difference between cheap and value for money. Thirty, I think it will become 30 million pounds if he becomes our like established number one after making a certain amount of appearances or some sh- football manager accountants FC shit <laughs> that we did to get it cheaper. 30 million pounds for a 23 year old. Every club does it, Brad. Logistically. Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. But as in, like, we've, as we've, we've obviously done a, because it's 24 rising to 30. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Paying 30 million pounds for a keeper that could be your number one for the next 13 years is an unbelievable piece of business. I think we look at that because of the, and big shout out to fucking Edu or Richard Garlic. And Inaki Kanya for, for suggesting him and all this kind of stuff. But to get a player that young and of that profile who could be our number one for the next, even if it's just 10 years, ridiculous fee. Ridiculously good fee. And Ramsdale made eight saves today against Leicester, 2.4 goals prevented. Uh, the most saves by an Arsenal goalkeeper in a Premier League game while also keeping a clean sheet since Petr Cech against Liverpool in August 2015. Ramsdale's away record for Arsenal, four games, four clean sheeps, one sheeps, four clean sheeps, uh, 100% save percentage. 17 out of 17 saved and 5.2 goals prevented. Since Aaron Ramsdale came into the team, only Chelsea with two and Man City with three have conceded fewer goals than Arsenal. He, yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the you know, the the, the the free kick save we've mentioned, the tweet from Schmeichel when his own fucking son's the on the pitch. The free kick save is amazing. But the second save is amazing as well. The way he gets up and reacts to Johnny Evans, I think it's Evans who's chasing it in and, and manages to block his shot again. And then party clears it off the line. Like It's the best double save I've seen. I'm not sure about the second one because I think it hits the post and then him. I'm pretty That's sure. It. Yeah, because people kept calling it a double save. And I thought, I, w- I thought it was a double save and I rewatched it. I think he saves it. Johnny Evans comes in. He, Johnny Evans hits the post, which hits Aaron Ramsdale. And then that spills out onto the goal line and I think it's party clears it. I th- so I'm, I don't know. But I mean, reg- well, fuck it. Who cares? It's an unbelievable, it. unbelievable save. And he made a series of them. There's and he, another in one his from- interview, he credits the training. As well, he credits like, you know, we're just at points where I think he mentions like training on explosiveness and he manages to get his hand there. And I think that's an important thing to note when when a player's obviously gone, oh, well, this is because the training that we've done is working. Yeah. So that's a positive for us as fans, because I think so often we don't get a look in as to what we see that. uh, Do do you see what I mean? Yeah. we, We don't get a look into these methods sometimes and to hear the player go, no, this is specifically something that's been worked on and look at the result. Yeah. Is, is really, really positive. Yeah. And there was an unbelievable pass into Aubameyang at one point, some lovely balls out to the sides. uh, So Evans should have gone off for, Ah, no, no, wrong one. Over the top where Evans should go off. Oh, wrong one. Uh, The one where he Edison's it. 
he like he drops oh, okay. he drops it and Edison's it straight into Aubameyang's feet. There was the one oh, then over the top to yeah, yeah. which Evans should have gone off for. There was a couple outs to, to, to uh, Lacazette in the first half, which were amazing. There was also a moment where and I don't I don't know if you caught this. He Ben White was down, and uh, it wasn't a foul. It was like it was like seventy eight minutes in. And I, I think we were stalling, and Ramsdale went over and he just leaned down and said something but it was so quick that it could it could not have been are you okay like do you want you know are you injured it must have been like are you stalling yeah kind of situation because like there was it was too quick it was too quick of an interaction do you know what i mean that you couldn't have asked you couldn't have gotten any information out of it all like good mate stay down type type thing like it was such a, and, and knowing that and seeing his like interaction with the leicester fans at the end when he gave his shirt and his boots away to the crowd like this guy I love him. He's my favourite player. He's my favourite player in this squad. He's a legend already. Nah, he's not. He's not. But like, but he could. He could. Fuck. He could become a legend. I mean, yeah. like he's he's all the characteristics. He's got the chat. He's got the kind of like the size. He's got the ability. He's got the character. He's got the the and he's already commanding that back line. And the thing is, like this is what we said last season. Like like we need we need new leaders in this team. Now Aaron Ramsdale is like a typical leader. I think probably at some point he'll probably captain like he'll probably captain the team. If he stays here for a long time, I think he'll probably will at some point captain us. He is a quite a typical leader. But to be able to come in at the age of twenty three, and maybe he wouldn't have been able to do this with a David Louise or or other other people, I feel like Aaron Ramsdale probably would. But having a young group of people where he can establish himself and assert that kind of dominance and you know, he, he was um he was building a wall at one point and the way he speaks to the players gives me confidence. Do you know what I mean? Because he mm. it's not like there was a cut to Leno and you could just feel his insecurity. And I think especially in that position, especially in that position, you need and like that's why goalkeepers are called fucking mad, because you've got to have a bit of that streak about you. He's just extra ex, ex oh, I can't say the word. Extrinticity? Eccentric? Eccentricity. Exc- eccentricity. That's the word. Yes. Eccentricity. That's why you're a goalkeeper, Brad. Just switched off. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's gladiator stuff, mate. He was unbelievable. And, and you know, I, I put a poll out yesterday um, on their different Twitter, which I'll look at now because I actually haven't seen the results of it, which was basically, what's Ramsdale worth now? And how many times can we say we buy a player for what we probably think is a bit of an overpay and he goes up in, in value. I put 50 to 60, 60 to 70, 70 to 80 or 80 million and 80 million plus one. I mean, it was in the middle of the heat at the moment. So maybe, maybe we can calm it down. But like, I mean, surely his value is doubled. 50, 60 million. I think that would be a, an achievable fair valuation. 50, 60 million. I, th- I think you get more for him, mate. I don't. But he's your boy. What's going on? Well, I think because it, it also talks about need in the market. What top club who's going to play 50, 60 million pounds for a keeper and he currently needs a keeper? Yeah, well, who knows? But well, fuck it. He's worth 2 million, 20, uh, 200 million. Um, <laughs> not, not 2 million. I think it's also, it's also that's you wouldn't sell him for 60 million because I think this is, this is the difference. Where, where could a deal be struck and the value to the club are two completely different things? For example, the deal for Ben White was struck at fifty million pounds because Ben White's value to Brighton at that point was that amount of money. So that's where the kind of margins lie. 
where a deal maybe should have been struck if there wasn't such a need is around 35 to 40 million pounds. But that wasn't his value to his club. And Ramsdale's so valuable now. So valuable. Mate, unbelievably, unbelievably, mate. He's won us games and won us points that could come the end of the season get us Europa League or Champions League football. Like, here's a question. Do you drop, I think he's out for a few weeks now, Tierney, so I, I don't know. Um, Arteta answered a question, basically said um, he's not sure when Tierney will be back, which is a bit of a concern. But do you drop Tavares? Say Tierney was available for the next game, would you drop Tavares? No. I don't think you do either. Because I think now you have the competition, you have to keep it a meritocracy. Yep, exactly. Because otherwise you destroy that level of competition. The only reason to buy players of the same mould and to have them around the same age profile or whatever, or even just around the same quality level, is to have them compete. And as soon as you destroy the idea that performing well in that competition gains you entrance into the first team, you lose all respect for that system and that player. So I think it is, again, now a really difficult situation where either Tavares has to have a bad game or Tini has to be just slightly more suited to an opponent for you to, to consider putting Tini back in. I think Tini is always so high. He's always so high on the pitch that he often receives it and then has to play it back or doesn't quite have the the explosiveness to get beyond. I think he's got to adapt his game slightly, whether he's got to come in field a bit more. I don't know. Um, I can't picture Tierney in this team right now. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I And that's mad to say after only, was it two games? Or maybe three games because of the League Cup. I can't, I can't see it. Um I th- and I think that mm. explosiveness from left back, that ability to arrive a bit later, that ability to burst past players that Tavares has, I don't think Tierney does have. And Tierney's got different mm. strengths, you know, he's a better, better defender. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be an interesting one. And I think you're, regardless of what happens and kind of the outcome, I think you're so right. If you want to create a meritocracy, you have to allow people who are performing well to stay in. It's like, you know, it, Ramsdale and Leno. Ramsdale, ultimate, Ramsdale yeah, Leno. Yeah. Ultimately... Ult- the ultimate meritocracy idea. Yeah. Leno was not performing well. Ramsdale yep. has come in and performed brilliantly. Yep, exactly. So you you literally can't drop him now. And it's it's the same with Lacazette, for example. Lacazette came in against Villa, performed brilliantly, and earned the start today, and again performed well. So I don't think... And Erdegaard has, is having a bit of a torrid time of it. So he is the person that gets dropped. And you do play this 4-4-1-1 or 4-2-3-1 with Aubameyang out on the left and that fucking triangle basically just doing a shift. Yep. Yep. You, you pl- and until either tactically you need a change or they drop a stinker. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, we've jumped around a bit. Um, just just to go back to the goal, the, the, our second goal, um, I just want to shout out Party as well because it's a great regain of possession mm-hmm. and a lovely ball from Saka. Um, and the thing we talked about earlier, um, Lacazette keeps it up there, like by hook or by crook, do you know what I mean? It, like, it just him by sort of, you know, a bit of luck and a sort of sticking a leg out that keeps the ball there and it drops to Smith Rowe and that's, fuck it, you know, as long as we can keep the ball up there, that's all that matters. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, periods of, dom- periods of domination and periods of... Um, Having to sit back, as I say, I thought we defended well. It was It's a bit concerning, but I think it's a development thing. One thing I will say, on an individual level, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird thing to say, this defence somehow 
is one of the only defences in the last like 10 years, maybe of Arsenal, that makes me go, oh, every so often. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's their attitude to- as well, like, like the celebration thing. Like Tommy Asu will pull out a de- will pull out a tackle that genuinely is like, oh fuck me, or Gabrielle will get a header away. I'm like, fuck yeah. It's a kind of they're like it's like a fucking rock and roll band type feeling of a sort of group of people. I who- do wonder how much of that is because they're around our age range. Maybe. Maybe maybe it is, but I I I, I feel very invested in this back five. Like I feel very like they feel like a unit. They feel like individually and collectively no more individually they're all performing very well and i think collectively the the kind of the 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 dynamics will come and they are coming mm. but individually they're all very very talented defenders and having people that there was a shot that i think vardy was about to take which probably would have gone in mate and tommy has to just nicks the ball off him how often have we had people who are proper fucking defenders who can really tackle who are really good at what they do it's mm. not often it's really not often. Socrates was probably our last version of that, but then lacked all technical exactly. level. Exactly. So, exactly. So the talent is is unreal. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, anything else on the game, Brad? Good Arsenal audition from uh, Harvey Barnes. Um, I thought he played quite well. I don't know how well he played and how well we just kind of regressed i i think are you ever going to be happy brad come on no 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 as in like i just think he was allowed allowed a lot of space that only existed because we decided to sit back i I don't i didn't see anything particularly listen it wouldn't be a bad signing i just didn't see anything uh incredibly like oh my god this is the left winger we need but for the last thing on the game is the wheels on the Leicester project is coming off. Vardy's aging out. Tielemans has got a year left on his contract come the end of this season and will go. Ndidi will probably go to United in January or the summer. Schmeichel's aging out. Um, He's like 56 now, isn't he? <laughs> Bastard. Um... Yeah, the wheels on that Leicester bus are, are, are quick coming off, mate. The wheels on the Leicester bus are coming off quickly. quickly. Uh, we'll see you. But yeah, after this. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe, turn on notifications, leave us a review, and you can support us on Patreon, where you get access to episodes of The Instant Reaction, which we didn't do yesterday, as well as ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. At Yank Gunner said, I'm really enjoying White's progressive runs and the opposition's half. We need that from a CB. Love it. Better than Saliba, I hear? <laughs> he is, mate. 
At Arsenal FC 1971, moving on quickly before Brad kills me. Barnes was awesome, but luckily no goals. Chuff, no Vardy goal. Absolutely. And also says sports personality of the year for Ramsdale. Yeah, mate. I'll, yeah. Uh, no, nah, no. Emma Raducanu. Brad, I don't think it was a serious shout. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, and there'll be, there's a male and female award, so I think so. Yeah, both of them. Fuck it. Let's do it. I love that you took that to a... You d- <laughs> why not? Why not answer a question? Seriously. Hey, why not? You've got to give a shout out. To the man himself. Uh, we're Ooh. seven games unbeaten in the Premier League. Nine unbeaten in all. Uh, mm. We have... Slightly hyperbolic, you know, but... Well, to that's... use that in the way that we use that. It's a it's stat. Slightly... No, I've not, but as in... I've not, I've no, not used it in any way no, yet. You have. No, but you... you but you have. And How you have you, previously. I've said a stat. <laughs> in the sense of like... Uh, when people tweet out Ben White won 100% of his ground duels and 100% of his aerial duels and he contested one of each. Like, okay, but that's... I just read a stat out. Yeah, but we all so know ready how you're going to shit on this. Arteta. We, so yeah, I know. Ready. I'm so ready to shit on you, mate, because we know <laughs> what agenda you're going to try and further with this one. <laughs> William Saliba should never play for us. <laughs> Uh, before the game yesterday this might have changed now uh, points per game since Christmas Day 2020 uh, Man City with 2.44 Chelsea 1.94 Arsenal with 1.85 yeah Brad it's um, we're looking good we're looking good well we're looking good and getting results are two different things but we're looking good in the table yeah 100% 100% and I think that's the difference looking good and getting was like when it comes to the football yeah we're not looking particularly great at points um, but when it comes to and I think this is what I mean by like I need to start enjoying some of these moments more because at the end of the day no you just want an edgy take Brad you want an edgy take go on it doesn't fucking matter does it like it realistically doesn't matter that we maybe haven't looked the best if we're like you say seven games unbeaten I just think that it might be a marker that again the wheels could fall off the bus, but let's the let's wheels enjoy on the, the fucking bus ride. Might fall off, but you um, know, like what are we? Yeah, we've kept some good clean sheets during that time. Scored a decent amount of goals. There's been a few results that haven't been particularly good, but those draws against Brighton and Palace don't look poor after yesterday's results. Even though that again is it's, it's a false comparison because it's different game states, but. No, but they're clearly two teams playing well. Like, you know, Palace beat City at the Etihad, which uh, is more, more than could be said for us. Um, yeah. We drew Sunderland in the Carabao Cup, which is good. You can go, you can go with your dad. Dad's a Sunderland yeah. fan. Love that. Take uh, your dad. Take the your dad. International Football Association Board's Football and Technical Advisory Panel, very uh, catchy, have recommended five substitutions be implemented on a permanent basis in football. So basically, five subs might be happening. What do you reckon to that? Uh, I don't think it's fair. Go on. Edgy take, Brad. Come on. Uh, I think it leads uh, a very, very strong and unfair advantage to any club uh, with greater financial means because the opportunity to change five players, you're changing half of your squad. For a city, they can take off Foden... Uh, Jesus Sterling and bring on Mares, 
Torres and uh, someone else. Yeah. You know, like, and, and then you also bring in the option that they could take off Diaz if he's on a yellow card or bring on Stones. You know, like, it's, it, it unfortunately as a rule just massively bends to the, um, to the levels of, of finances where if you can afford to purchase basically two 11s, you will just be able to dwarf anything that uh, clubs like Norwich, Burnley can do. And I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair. I think you're right. I think also the the defence to it is often like, well, think about the international games that these these guys will be playing. Well, Norwich and Burnley aren't playing international games. Matty, Lo- Matty Lowton isn't getting in the England squad. It doesn't matter to him. Like so, it's it's like it, again, it's like concentrated at that level of the game, cut down isn't the, it? It's, cut down the amount of international games. Cut down the amount of qualifying games. Cut down the amount of useless friendlies. Just cut down, like. Well, I think I think they have cut down that, but it's, it's gone to the Nations League, which currently is meaningless, but might have some meaning in time. More, more the point being that, like, the, the they're like, well, you know, players are being asked to to um to to play so much football, and the football calendar, like it. I think I can't remember who said it. Gary Neville's called it like a disgrace or something, but it is, it's a mess. Like it's a, it's a complete mess. Like in terms yep. of, you know, like Afghan and blah, 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 blah. Like there needs to be some, some conversations about it with people who actually Afghan really coming in the really... middle of the season shouldn't be allowed. The only, and the only reason they do it is because they know they won't be able to compete with summer competitions like the, um, World Cup and the Euros. Well, I, I think, I think people who, really understand the football calendar need to have a sit down and talk yeah. about it like you know in that in those terms but what i will say is on the premier league and for arsenal is probably the the the, the place where we can judge it from it's probably good for us but i agree it's it's not good for it's not good for football and yeah as i say the the idea that it it, it helps out internationally again that does that like that almost negates that's not going to help anyone lower down the league it's not going to help bury bury fc or whatever actually will it happen to um League Two and League One and stuff. I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. Again, I don't think it matters though, does it? Because it's the where it matters is in the Premier League where the gulf in uh, backing at the moment is immense. The amount of money that the Saudis have, that the Qataris have, and that all of the, and that Roman Abramovich has compared to Norwich is way vaster than Norwich's compared to Berry FC's. Percent, yeah. Like you're talking thousands of percent larger. Like it's Are they ridiculous. even a club, Berry? I don't think they are anymore. No. They got liquidated, <laughs> uh, which is sad. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think it matters in the lower leagues because the, the connection between clubs in those leagues when it comes to finances won't be that massive compared to the connections and clubs in the Premier League is, is getting further and further apart. Mm. Yup, yup. Um, interesting comment this week from Jurgen Klopp, which I'd love to get your opinion on, Brad. Jurgen Klopp on whether Mo Salah is the best player in the world at the moment. Yeah, I see him every day, and for me, he's the best player in the moment. The consistency is incredible, and this is the interesting part. He's getting better. 32 slash 33 is the best age of a footballer. So I've always maintained 28-29 is a peak of a footballer's career, right? That, that has felt right. But really, when you look around Europe... Lewandowski, Messi, um, Ronaldo to some degree, 
top, top Modric, top, top players winning Ballon d'Ors, get, you know, breaking records in the Bundesliga, et cetera, et cetera, like get, you know, at the top of their game are doing it into their thirties, are doing it into, you know, 32, 33, 34. Maybe he's right. I mean, Jürgen Klopp obviously knows more than me, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I do think I it's, think, it maybe, yeah. maybe we need to reframe it as, as football fans in terms of where we believe a player's peak is. I think there's a couple of arguments around it. Um, mainly that players peak at different times. Haaland at 21 is playing for Dortmund and tearing it up. And Lewandowski was in the third tier in Germany. You know, players will peak at different times for one. Secondly, I think that also could come into play with players are having longer careers now during to the advances in, in fitness, in nutrition, and in the way that a player is taken care of financially, both uh, as well. And... Um, oh God, what was the third point? What was the third point? Oh, uh, the, if you look around the world right now, I can't see a lot of kind of, I think there is almost a generational gap in kind of 27 to 28, maybe, maybe 26 to 28 year olds who are performing at a phenomenal peak level. How many of them is there? I can't really think of one in that age bracket. Who's like knocking on the door for a Ballon d'Or. Um, that's a good point and how much is that because we view players differently now because of the levels we've seen from Ronaldo and from Messi that we've had to wait for another Mbappe and Neymar uh, Neymar's probably in that that class but he's not he's 30 now isn't he 30 now yeah so 30 Jesus Um, you know we've had to wait for another Mbappe and Haaland to come around 10 years later for us to finally be talking about the next generation of footballers. So there's a whole generation forgotten about because of the way that quality levels have risen and what's expected. So I think it's a, it's a lot of different things that will constantly change over time. Yeah. I think Neymar's mad overrated, by the way. Um, massively overrated. Massively. Yeah, I... But fucking Guardiola's massively overrated. As a manager? Yeah, mate. No, he's not. He's gone to the three biggest clubs in each of the countries he's managed in. He went to Bayern Munich when they were European champions and never got them past the semi-final. Uh, he's gone to City with the basic only requirement of being brought in uh, was to do well in the Champions League and, and win in the Champions League. And they were lo- knocked out by Monaco, Lyon, and then have lost it to to a Chelsea team that that six months previously were talked about as dog shit. Uh, and you know he he inherited one of the best trios. And okay, maybe he brought them through. Or again, I don't have an incredible amount of knowledge about that. But okay, he brought through Messi, but in, inherited one of the best squads in the planet at Barcelona. I don't think that you can. I don't think he did bring through any. I think they were already already there. Yeah, Messi, so Messi you, was playing you, like the 2004 season. A hundred percent. I I just don't think that you could you can. I think what Jurgen Klopp has done with Liverpool is far more impressive than what Guardiola has done with any of his teams. Guardiola has gone everywhere he's gone, spent a shitload of money and kind of, as per reference of that, underachieved. I think he's underachieved in the Champions League, but in the league, you can't say he's underachieved because what I appreciate he's had the resources, but he's also gone and done it. Yeah, he's won the league. I also think that a lot of managers with his resources could have done it. And I don't think that a lot of managers with Klopp's resources could have done what Klopp has done. 
I think that's where the argument lies of what is a good manager and what is somebody who's, do you see what I, I think he's a very intelligent man who has very good ideas about how football should be played, right? But I just think if you put him in a different scenario that isn't the biggest club in that country with the most money, he doesn't do as well as he always does. Because historically he hasn't you know he's gone there and okay he's won a couple of premier leagues he's got knocked out by by two teams who who in terms of of money spent on their squads in terms of um kind of representative representative quality of the league he's flopped against and i just don't think you can put him on the same pedestal as people like ferguson or Wenger or Mourinho in his pomp or even what Klopp has done at Liverpool. I think what Klopp has done at Liverpool is far more impressive than anything Guardiola's done. I really do. Yeah, I mean, again, I guess it depends. It's like sort of like the Messi-Ronaldo debate. It's like, how do you define good? Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what, what's your definitions of good? Is it is it technical level? Is it, you know, whatever, like... I mean, all I can say is he he's won the. I mean, I'm looking at his his honours now. I mean, it's ludicrous. He won the league, you know, three times in a row at Bayern, and you know, three times in a row. Yeah, but Bayern, all, and Bayern, and, Bayern are winning their tenth title in a row this season. Yeah, I get that, but also you, that's very uh, that, that's that's not the same. Bayern Munich. It's like it's like PSG, for example. Bayern Munich. Their job isn't to win the Bundesliga because it's nearly a given that every season they're going to win the Bundesliga. The main, they basically wait 11 months for the fucking knockouts of the Champions League to see if they can win it every season. It's what happens at Bayern Munich. It's what happens at PSG. And that is what's happening at City. City don't care about the Premier League. Mancini won them a Premier League. Pellegrini won them a a Premier League. Like, you don't need Guardiola to win you a Premier League at Man City. What you bring Guardiola in to do is to win you a Champions League. And he has failed to do that. It's like... Uh, Juventus brought Ronaldo to do one in the Champions League and Ronaldo failed to do that with them and that could be for a lot of reasons like the manager or whatever but you have to to look at the reasons why that person has been brought to that club and with the levels of squad that he had has had with the money that he has had to spend he has had far too little success but he was the World Soccer Man- Mag- Magazine's fifth greatest manager of all time in 2013, Brad. So, well, I must be wrong then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what we talked about before about peak players. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I, th- I think it's a, it's another way of looking at it, and could very well, very well be right. Um, it's good, it's going to be something I bring up in a long, long tangenting point at some point and go. That proves my point. Uh, we just got time, Brad, for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. Last time I asked you, where is Hale End? Where actually is Hale End? The only thing I can think of is fucking. It's got to be in Colney. It's got to be. It's in East London. Is in it Walth- in Waltham Forest E4? It's in East London. That's strange. Yeah, I saw, I saw that the other day. I, th- I presumed it would be like next to the training ground, but it's in East London. Uh, next question is, name two Polish Hale End grads. Name two Polish Hale End graduates. 
Hayland graduates. Not now. Brad, that was a pleasure, as always. Always, mate. Has your Aaron Ramsdale boner gone down or? No, no, I'm still at half mast. That's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, Give it a knock and we'll see you later. (laughs) Peace. Peace. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.